0: everybody, you are listening to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast, where we will be tackling real financial issues so women can eliminate fear and take charge of their lives. I am your host, Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. So let's get to it. There were 150
1: erectile dysfunction companies, products that were approved by the federal government as solutions. There was one sexual health company approved. And so all of these things have to do with the fact that women's health has been ignored and has been almost invisible. You know, I have a two-year-old granddaughter. I've already invested in companies that are going to impact and enhance her life and that are impacting and enhancing my mother's life. That's what we do. And we're going to make money.
0: Yeah. And that to me is like, as a combination of all the good things. Making money, raising consciousness, and banding together as women, and we need to raise consciousness. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. I'm really excited about today's topic because I think it's a very interesting topic that many of you might be wondering about. I know I've been wondering about it for a while. Have you ever thought what it would be like to be an investor in a young, innovative company? Like, how do you get involved in that action? How do you get involved in becoming an investor at, you know, like a venture capital type situation where there's some, you know, really cool, innovative company that's going to be doing something and you want to get involved in it? So for many of us, we think, oh, you know, I'm, I don't have enough money for that, or I don't even know what that means. So today's podcast is going to really educate you on how you can get involved, the, the steps that you need to take, and how to get education on it, and what you need to be thinking about. So I have, as my guest today, a very accomplished woman who is a pioneer and leader in this field. Her name is Trish Costello, and she is the founder and CEO of Portfolia and I love that name, just FYI, and she uh, has created Portfolia, which is a leading venture uh, investing platform designed for women, and her goal is to have over 100,000 women and their colleagues and friends investing in portfolio funds in the next five years, and I say amen to that, Trish. So, Trish, welcome to the podcast today. It's great to be here with you, Kimberly. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us. So I want to give people a little bit of what your background's about because you've had a lot of stuff going on in your background. So we could do the whole po- podcast on what she's been up to. So I'll try to keep it to the most pertinent things here. As I said earlier, she is recognized uh, as doing pioneering work in this area and in you know educating people in this area and preparing venture capital investment partners. Now, Trish was the CEO and is now the CEO um, emeritus of the Center for Venture Education, which is at the Kaufman Fellows Program. I believe that's in Palo Alto. Is that right, Trish? That's correct. Yes. So I want to ask you first to explain a little bit about what that is, because I, I know it's an educational endeavor and venture partners go there to learn things, but I'm not sure the audience really understands what that means. So I'm trying to lay the table so they understand who the different players are, but what you were doing prior to the portfolio, uh, you know, before starting that.
1: Yes. So, Kimberly, this is, uh, will be kind of a walk down memory lane here, but just to put a little context around it, I had been an entrepreneur venture-backed in my very early days, so in my late 20s, Uh, and so understood how, venture investing worked, and this would have been in the 1980s when it was still a very young space and very few people in the public even knew there was such a thing as venture capital or uh, fast growth entrepreneurs. How did you know about that? Yeah, so I I had come from family businesses uh, in Kansas. So, you know, I was in the middle of, you know, of kind of the heartland flyover country, but got involved creating pediatric products, um, and actually pediatric satellite television for physicians back in the the late 80s. And that was a venture-backed company. So we had money from San Francisco uh, VCs to grow that company and sold it and had a successful exit from that company. And I began investing my own money in what we now call as angel investors. But even in those early days, Kimberly, there was no word for it. So we were investing in other companies similar to us. You know, I was investing in the healthcare space where I still am today, all these years later. And there really were no training programs for venture capital. There was only two universities that even had a class in venture capital in those days. So very much a pioneer. The Kaufman Foundation was just being established and I joined the startup team and we had 2 billion dollars to create infrastructure around entrepreneurship and how you create jobs and how you create new technology and fast growth companies and create wealth through innovation so very early on when venture capital was still almost a cottage industry it was yeah. wealthy families you know yeah
0: it's almost like private found you know foundations investing in kind of new ideas
1: that's that's absolutely right Kimberly. It was very early and so this is a very young industry investing because if you re, you know think about the internet really first got started to individuals in 90 in the mid 90s and that's what really launched the venture capital industry. So still relatively young when you think about you know banking you know being hundreds of years old. So it was very early and at Kaufman Foundation, I was brought in, I was on the startup team, and we created the first training and networking education program for venture capital partners. Never been done before, so we had to create the whole kind of DNA of what made for successful investing in venture capital. And of course, today, it is a trillion dollars of money has gone in. And if you look at anything from an Amazon to Uber to Microsoft to FedEx, you know, all of those companies were started with venture capital money. And so the real backbone of the technology world is venture capital. And we're still at Kauffman Fellows, which I started in 1994, at the Kauffman Foundation, later spun it out. Today, it's still the premier way and really one of the only ways to learn the venture capital business. Uh, it's a two-year fellowship. It's quite expensive. It's as if it, you, know, you were going to an Ivy League business school, but it has over 700 of the venture capital partners in the world have learned the business and are still connected through that. But what I'm most proud about, Kimberly, is from day one in 1994, when we launched, every class of fellows have been at least 25% women oh, and 25% awesome. people of color. So the leaders today in venture capital that are women or African-American or you know Latinx are nearly all Kauffman fellows. And that network is still strong.
0: And so are these people who... Are have already gotten an MBA or they just happen to be interested somehow in entrepreneurial endeavors and want to be in the ground floor of, you know, these new companies they can get involved with? Is there some sort of scholarship program? Like, is there such a thing as a profile of a person that is able to do this? Like, where are they coming from? What walks of life? Are they scientists? I don't know, you know? They're all of that. So it's some of the top, scientists in the world who
1: finished their PhDs, who, you know, they may be an expert in, in artificial intelligence, or they may be an expert in chemicals and materials, or, you know, some kind of green tech space, um, or in, you know, any kind of field, uh, medical, you know, they may be a top, a, a couple that come to mind were top PhDs out of the best schools in Alzheimer's or, you know, those kinds of fields where they're really studying deep tech, but it also may be an entrepreneur that's grown their company and cashed out and now wants to work on the other side as an investor, you know, helping dozens of companies. Many of them have MBAs. Many of them are engineers. Many of them are coming from the medical field. Anywhere today, I'm sure, there. you know, there's many that are coming from data any, an AI. So whatever field where we're seeing new innovation, um, they're going to be coming from those areas.
0: So just so the audience understands, these are people who would go uh, to the Kauffman Fellows Program. They're going to be the partners. They're going to be the investors. They're going to be part of the table of people who are putting money into these venture capital um, endeavors. So you then decided to now do portfolio, it really is effective in two areas, right? It allows you to promote companies that are coming up with innovation and hopefully trending in the woman area, but it's also allowing women to become investors in these endeavors and learn more and more about it. I think a lot of people think this is a world for just super rich people who are really familiar with the space and they don't realize that you can get involved in it, and you can um will you know if you go on the website for portfolio, you will see there's a lot of education on that website that Trish and her team have put together about what it means to be an investor in something like this. So I kind of want to understand on a more macro level, how do you think for women, investing in, you know, these innovative uh, projects through the venture capital kind of funnel, how is this serving them? How does this improve their financial futures as part of their things that they can do to increase their net worth? Kimberly, that's
1: something so important because so many times as women, we don't realize that opportunity. Nearly all the wealth and new innovation today comes through these new entrepreneurial companies you know, that are creating new entrepreneurial technologies and companies. And so every sophisticated institutional investor, if you have a family office or you're investing pension funds or you're a foundation or a trust, every one of them have at least 5 to 10, sometimes 15% of their money in venture capital. And the reason for that is that it is riskier, and so you have to be diversified, but that's where the major pushes of wealth come from. So they all have an allocation in that space. And so we've not always, and as I said, I've been in this world for 30 years, and what I often would see is, you know, wealthy men or, or, you know, influential men would be brought in. You know, to those funds as well as those big institutions, but women were never brought in, and so you know we just didn't have that opportunity to even see it as viable, or even know that it would even that it even existed. Um, but that's why I mean, being able to invest in these fast growth companies early when they're private, because these are private companies; they're not on the stock exchange yet you know, what you're hoping is they're going to go public or have a big be purchased by a big conglomerate. That's how you make your money. So these are all private investments that happen and venture capitalists, you know, are private, you know, operations. So that's why I created Portfolio is I saw that women were con- continually kind of boxed out and
0: it's really an important way to create wealth. And more and more women have more and more money. So we're not like where we were in 1976 when I graduated from high school and women still often needed to have a male signatory on a credit card application. You know, women today are, you know, uh, the Barbie movie came out. There's, you know, billions of dollars made from that. And Taylor Swift, well, I don't need to say anything more than Taylor Swift. You know, so, but also there are just more and more women who have wealth or who are accumulating wealth and who want to build their net worth and many of them are doing it you know they're taking control of their financial future that's what this whole platform is about i always say your partner isn't your plan you are your plan there's no prince charming you are the charming so you need to go out there and find these opportunities i just want to make uh for the audience to understand when we talk about allocations and diversification think of the pie chart right You have this money that you're going to use for investment purposes. Some of it you may put in stocks and bonds and alternative funds. Some of it you may keep in cash if you need liquidity. And some of it you can put into an investment like this, which might be a little bit illiquid for some period of time until it pays out. But that's your money that you're allocating for maybe the big win, you know, uh, in something that you believe in. I really wanted to elaborate too on the point that you were making about women being boxed out because I was reading your bio on your website and I just, (laughs) I have to repeat this because I was like, whoa, you mentioned the story of this male venture capitalist friend that you had. and. You were talking about women's health because obviously you're very, very passionate about that. And obviously somebody needs to be paying attention to it because God knows it's way behind a lot of other uh, health, male health, you know, um, innovations and research. But anyway, this guy says, you know, men are generally kind of grossed out when it comes to some women health issues. And so if they're grossed out and they're uncomfortable, they're probably not going to invest in it. And I was just, and that's, and then he made the comment, he who has the gold makes the rules, which is actually true. But the fact that men would be grossed out by women's health issues, and that would then be a reason that they're not getting funding is so mind blowing to me that even, that even he would think they're grossed, grossed him out. So thank you for sharing that on your website.
1: We have an opportunity to create wealth, but we also have an opportunity to create wealth while enhancing our lives. And and to me, that's that other piece of it that's so exciting. So important. Yes. Kimberly, 95% of the check writers in venture capital are men. Yeah. And even if they you know, aren't grossed out by women's health, they don't really understand it you know, and so they don't have a passion for it. And, and so, you know, that's why menopause, now menopause is now getting to be a hot topic. It's Uh, a
0: very hot, and and for someone who is done with menopause, uh, I can tell you that I was pretty lucky with my menopause, so I will say that, but I know a lot of people who were not, were not, are not, and so, you know it's a big deal it can change your psychology your emotional situation whether you're hot or cold it can just alter you know it can be very fundamentally altering to women especially in the prime of their careers or in their lives and no one's ever talked about it it's like all again it's that historical narrative that we don't talk about things like that because you know women are just Supposed to be nice and nurturing and accommodating and just deal with your menopause and be quiet and then you will become invisible and we won't think about you anymore. And I love that you are focusing on this stuff because you know women are hitting their primes now after menopause. I, I think I am. I hope I am. Yes, I agree. And and that's who I see. You know, I mean, my membership
1: in our funds runs from people in their 20s to people in their 90s. But there's such a core of us who have confidence with our money, have, you know, sub- you know, we have uh, money to put to work as investors and we can really make a difference with that. We have knowledge, we have expertise, but I'll just say it: in 2018, we created the Portfolio Femtech Fund, which is the Women's Health Fund. That was the first venture fund in history, focused on women's health, and
0: that was 2018, Kimberly. And the, and I on your website, I thought the fem. Well, I'm looking at FemTech three. I think it was. Yes. It's fertility, cancer diagnostics, menopause, and pain management, and these are all aimed at women. Correct. That they're
1: all aimed at women, and we're the largest investor in women's health private. You know, new private companies focused in women's health, and we've made 45 investments. Wow. A bit largest on the planet, and everything from painful periods to childbirth, you know, pre- pregnancy, post-pregnancy, menopause, in, and any kind of health care issues that are different for us. So it is things like pain management. It is heart health. Heart and cardiology is different for us. Horm- yes. you know, hormone, hormonal impact, bone loss, you Yes. Know, think of all, you know, pelvic floor problems, bladder control, sexual, there were 150 erectile dysfunction companies, products that were approved by um, the federal government as solutions. There was one sexual health company approved um, technology. And so all of these things have to do with the fact that women's health has been ignored and has been almost invisible. And even when there are solutions, new solutions, if they weren't getting money, they weren't gonna make it to the market. And so together we're changing that. Now there's about over a dozen venture funds focused in women's health that have come in behind me and we co-invest with them. But the difference that we're making, you know, I have a two-year-old granddaughter I've already invested in companies that are going to impact and enhance her life and that are impacting and enhancing my mother's life. That's what we do. And we're going to make money.
0: Yeah. And that to me is like, as a combination of all the good things, making money, raising consciousness and banding together as women to raise the consciousness about this. I mean, we can watch TV on any given day and there's going to be a commercial about E.D., yeah. Um, which we all know what that means now. So, I mean, that means something right there. <laughs> and no one ever, I think, again, because no one ever talked about women's health. No one, it was always like this taboo thing, you know, don't talk about the fact that you have a period or that you go through menopause or that childbirth can be extremely painful. And also you could have postpartum depression. And there's many things that go into this and no one's ever talked about it. And we, as a country, are kind of lamenting that the birth rate or you know is going down and we're not having the same birth rate as before. Well, hey, you know, women are actually like, you know, clocked on to the fact that there are a lot of things going on and we're not just, you know, being lemmings and kind of following, you know, historical narratives about what we should be doing. We're more informed and we need to raise consciousness. So let me ask you a question because I think a lot of people right now are like, okay, I really want to get involved in this and how do I do it? Who do I have to be an accredited investor? What's the minimum amount of money I can put in? If I do put money in, what can I expect? Are you going to, is it going to take five years to get money back? Am I going to lose my money? Because I think people probably right now are all fired up. And they want to invest. So tell them what What are they going to do to do that? What happens? And who do they need to be? Yes. So let me
1: start out first to say that you do have to be an accredited investor. And accredited means that you make 200000 a year in income. Or if you're counting with the spouse, that together you make 300000 a year. Or that you have a million in assets minus your home.
0: So that's liquid assets, not your real estate. So a million, not including your home, because most people their biggest asset is their home. So if you make over two hundred thousand dollars on your own, or you make three hundred thousand with your spouse or partner, and you have a, or you're just worth a million dollars in kind of investable assets, not your real estate, then you are an accredited investor. And I think the and just the reason they do this, this is a regulation from the SEC. Is that they want to protect people who don't want, you know, who may look at this as more of a Las Vegas kind of thing, not just in in a space like women's health, you know, but just in any kind of venture. Someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, you know, uh, invest hundred thousand dollars in this endeavor," and you don't, you know, you think you listen to what they say, but you don't really have a lot to back it up. So this is just to make sure that if you were to lose some money, you wouldn't lose all the money marbles and chalk that you'd still be standing. So that's the first thing, but you know there are tons of women out there now who definitely can scale that height. They're making over two hundred thousand a year.
1: There's at least ten million women in the U.S. just on the net just on the net worth
0: itself. Great. Yeah. Now let's let's try to make that twenty million. That's right. Um, I, that's what I'm pushing for. So if you're one of those people, tell us what the minimum investment is and what the average investment is, and you know, what the expectations are. Yes. So, and, and let me
1: just say, we're quite unique, Kimberly. You know, let me put that, preface my comments with that. We are unique because we're designed for women. We're designed for women investors. So there's a, a hundred things I do differently at Portfolio that makes it comfortable for women to get started. And the one of the most important things is, When we're if we've never done it before, and we have few people in our, you know, in our our immediate relationships, then it's it's you know can sound very foreign. So we set it up so that you can invest in a fund for ten thousand dollars, and dip your toe in. Oftentimes, you know, you you can put that ten thousand dollars in a fund, and you can be you know you're you can be involved with that fund. Uh, We will fully invest in, you know, a year to 18 months. And that gives you an opportunity. I can talk a little more about that experience, but it gives you an opportunity to see what venture capital investing is all about. The average investment is right around $30,000 in an individual fund. And I have investments uh, in individual funds by people ranging from $10,000 to a million dollars. But I've always kept that, that amount smaller Relatively speaking, because often a fund is ten million dollars to get in, but that enables more women to get involved. And once they get in, they see how much they know about these kinds of investments, how good they
0: are at it. So, say I put ten thousand dollars into one of the funds. I also I was looking at your aging and longevity one too, because I'm very obsessed with that topic. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. say I put ten grand in. I'm an investor do I get updates or are there like so I know how the fund is doing how often are you talking to people about where they're at the progress of the company so on and so forth
1: yes we do all of that but it's even better so when you put that 10,000 in over the course of that year and a half or so it's going to be invested in somewhere between 10 and 15 companies every month it's scheduled it will be on your calendar if you want to come in on you know, each fund is different, but let's say it's the second Tuesday at 30, second Tuesday of the month. You can come on with the other 250 members in that fund and watch the companies, the entrepreneurs pitch that we're considering investing in. You can see them pitch live. You can hear the questions of the five partners who are experts in, expert investors in the field. And those those entrepreneurs then leave and you are at the table with the partners as they're analyzing
0: those deals. That's, a, that's an amazing opportunity. I, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm really interested in this because it's a very, that you're like in there with the, with the analysis of whether to go with the pitch. That's exactly right. And then they'll say, you know, they'll, and then we even ask
1: our members, you know, you get to vote on it. Now that's informational for us because you are a limited partner, so you don't make the final decisions, but we're getting all of that feedback. There's all kinds of interaction. And then the partners right there on that call decide whether they're going to take it forward to due diligence. You know, that deep kind of, you know, investigation of the opportunity or whether they've decided to pass or hold for now. And so, and that happens on an ongoing basis. And then there's other kinds of, you know, programs, but it we've designed that you will never see that at another venture fund. You could put a hundred million dollars in a fund. You will never be behind the curtain, but we know women want to learn. And it also gives you that confidence. You know, you're going, oh my gosh, I know how to evaluate a team. I understand how to size a market, you know, I can determine whether, you know, I can look at that and say, is that a good marketing campaign, you know, for a, you know, a menopause company, you know, or, or, you know what, and so it enables you to develop your chops as an
0: investor while watching, you know, and being a part of this fund. I think that to me is, is just priceless. I mean, because also it's, for people who actually are entrepreneurial themselves you get a real good idea of what people are looking at if they want to invest in your company what yes. you know what are those elements that people really are looking at if if they're if you're going to get funding down the road and most companies need to get funding down the road whether it's in the medical space or any other space so i think that's as important as the $10,000 minimum investment which i think You know, is a very inclusive number. So let me ask you, what is the timeline? What has been like the average success rate and what kind of return are people getting back from this after the timeline expires?
1: Yes. And so you should expect that it is going to take a minimum of five years and, you know, five to seven years for that fund to return all its money and. Uh, and the full return. However, you will get your money back every time a company is sold or a company goes public. So on average, you're going to see some cash coming in. you know, um, let me let me take a step back because it depends on if it's all health, you know it may take a little longer, but you're going to see money come up, come back to you before the five years. It really depends on the cycles. And, you know, and those kinds of things, but it does, you know, the companies are sold or the companies go public within six months after a company goes going public, you will see the proceeds of that company um, of your, your stock uh, would be coming back to you. So that's how that works. It's very different than trading, you know, or a mutual funder or something like that. Every one of our funds, Kimberly, is in a mix of early stage investing to pre-IPO. So, for instance, in femtech, let me just give you mm-hmm. an example of that. When we started that femtech fund, there had never been a billion-dollar women's health company. Today, in that fund, I have two billion-dollar women's wow. health companies, billion-dollar plus. And of course, when I invested in those companies, they were not—you wor- know—they—they they were worth a fraction of that. And so that's what you're looking at. You're investing, and then we're holding it until it really has hit that kind of value that it's going to be sold. Now, at the same time, and that's, I'll tell you who those two companies are Maven Clinic and Everly Health.
0: So, say someone was with you and invested in these companies that have become built in the, they're in the, they're in a fund, right? That you're of the different companies. So, you've held on to that. Now, I don't know what portion of the overall company that your the you know your investment you know represents, but presumably the people who are in your fund are going to get a pretty big windfall when something happens with those two companies.
1: We're just waiting for that IPO market to open, and of course they'll decide when when is the right time for them you know to uh, you know to go public. You know those are great companies run by great women entrepreneurs, and we hold a. a very small percentage, but a very small percentage of multi-billion dollar companies is a, you're going to be a really lovely return for our people. And we're also in companies, Kimberly, that no one has ever heard of yet. And those companies, you know, are, you know, some companies will fail because yeah. you know, but that's why, that's why you invest in a fund, because right. you know, we have 12 or 15 companies. And I know three or four Or five of those companies may fail or may go, you know, they may be successful, but they're not going to be, you know, a billion-dollar company. Um, But you don't need a billion-dollar company, actually, to even make a great return. But I'm also in things, you know, that bone health technologies, which is uh, a NASA technology that is retaining our bone mass as we age, which is
0: a huge issue. It's huge. I'm about to go get my test uh, in November. Yeah. about my, I get one every couple of years right
1: and we're in so another one that our your listeners may know willow breast pump willow breast pump is, is the first breast pump that that disconnects us from the wall you know it doesn't plug in you wear it in your bra a lot of you know surgeons you know women surgeons you know people that can't get away and pump for 30 minutes can just drop it in their bra
0: wow that's amazing i mean i i my my oldest daughter's 33 and I wish I I was kind of pumping in all kinds of weird places and, you know, had multiple tops, blouses with me because everything was always a mess. And that would be great. You know, it was very inconvenient.
1: It's so true. And I have a 33 year, I have two 33 year old daughters, actually twins. And one of them has used Willow breast pump. And um, and so it's a, you know, and, and this is a great company that we've invested in. And, you know, and then I have Nest Collaborative because lactation consultants, we only have about 20% of the numbers we need. Well, now you can go online anywhere in the U.S. 24 hours a day and talk to a lactation consultant through Nest Collaborative. And guess what? ACA pays for all of it. They're required to.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Because, you know, it's not as straightforward as people think breastfeeding sometimes. And, you know, I think Again, that resource would have been awesome, and so that's that is amazing. I have one question I want to ask you. So, when you get involved with the, with a newer company, and then they're going to grow as they become more successful, and then maybe the founder is the CEO, or maybe you know, the but sometimes founders aren't very good CEOs as things really expand. Like they're founders, they're not maybe business people, or they had a vision, or It just gets to the point. So how are you factoring that into your analysis? Because a lot of companies either implode at some point when they actually are doing very well, but just kind of transitioning, or the founder leaves, or the founder goes on the board. I don't know. But how do you incorporate that analysis into what you're doing?
1: Yeah, that's an important piece. And, you know, what you want to see is that a founder is realistic about their expertise. Some founders can take a company all the way, like uh, the two companies we've talked about, Maven and Everly Health. Those are the founders that have taken those to multi-billion dollar companies. Madison Reed is another one we're in. The hair color company mm-hmm. others especially you'll see this more in the sciences where they really are around the science or they love a product but they don't want or they don't have the skill set as it grows you know to do this and so you're looking for realistic views of their capacity and you also have to make sure that either you're on the board to help guide them or that you have the confidence you have confidence in the people who are on the board. That's really going to be uh, their, you know, responsibility to help that CEO understand that. And that's part of a long list of things that we evaluate and jump into, you know, and look at. Um, The team is really critical, especially in the early stage. You know, you're really depending on the team and and the whole team, not just the CEO. Because
0: I think a lot of female founders in particular are held maybe to a different standard. I may be wrong, but, you know, I think, again, I I think this is across the board in many things when it comes to evaluating women and women's performance in the workplace and demeanor and all that stuff. But I do think, you know, it's a little tougher space for women founders for many reasons.
1: (laughs) Yes, 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 and yes on that. And what I would say to women founders are you do your diligence on anyone that's going to be investing in you, uh, especially if if they're a large enough investor, they're taking a leading role on this. If they've never invested in a woman CEO before, you need to really be careful because, you know, it is not a level playing field um, on how people are dealt with. I haven't made my art portfolio's investments. We've made 156 investments, you know, so femtech, isn't just our only space, as you said, active aging, green, people of color, we have a number of areas. 75% uh, when we invest, 75% of the CEOs are women. But we'll invest if if a man's gonna going to cure breast cancer, I'll right. say I'm gonna back him too. Of course. Yes. Yeah, so we do across the board, but because you know we're 90% women in my investor pool, and because we really understand women. Uh, entrepreneurs that's the kind of people that you want backing you and that's why I get in those great fabulous companies because they look at us and say these this group knows they know everything to do with what women want in the marketplace they understand women entrepreneurs and they can you know be that great guide and mentor you know as we grow yeah.
0: I think the mentorship is so important you know in these kinds of situations because again this is a new day dawning, women being founders, right? Men have been founding companies and starting companies for ages because they were allowed to work and, and and you know, flourish in the professional realm and then being entrepreneurs. So this is kind of early days for women in this. And mentorship is really important. I mean, I think what you're doing is just fantastic. Um, is there anything that I haven't covered that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Uh, I think one thing that's popped in my head here is now again, your retirement accounts, you know, your retirement funds, you know, are being built to last your lifetime, right? And Kimberly can, you know, really is an expert in a lot of this. But you can use a small percent, a small amount of your retirement account. You can use your IRA to invest in a fund like
0: this. So that's a really, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't even uh, highlight that, but this is a really good point. So tell people how they can do that.
1: Yes. I actually, even in, I believe it's in two weeks, we're doing um, an education session, but a significant number of our people do use, use their retirement accounts. And we use, a couple of groups I have to be, you know, a self-directed retirement account. So, mm-hmm. you know, you oftentimes have to move money out into another group, you know, that, that just focuses in that space. But, you know, we have job aids. You can, you know, we can make it available. You download it and fill it out. And then, you know, whatever money you make on it, uh, depending on what type of retirement account you have, is tax advantaged as well. Yeah. So that's quite nice. Other people use DAFs, and so that's Mm -hmm. um, you know a donor advised a donor advised fund, Mm -hmm. and um, and so they they use that as well. So there are a number of ways to do it, and you know what I would say is dip your toe in, you know, and just try it out, and um, you know see because it's again it's designed. I designed it for how I like to invest and how my friends and colleagues like to invest.
0: And what, where, what is the um, website they can go to? Because I think that a lot of this information is on your website. They have a thing, you know, how to invest. They, have, uh, they were having an informational session this morning, I saw. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there that you can learn wander around that website, and then get some counsel on how you invest and, and through what vehicle. Um, you can do it through your IRA. If you have a self-directed 401k, you might be able to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But if you have an, a 401k that you've rolled into an IRA, then you are by definition deciding how you're investing that. And you can tell your investment advisor, or you can do it yourself. Tell us the website. Tell us... All the ways that people can find you and hear about what's going on.
1: Yes, so it's uh, www.portfolio.com, and make sure you you correct for that a. So it's the you know the Latin feminine of portfolio. And I remember that, that there and um, and then you know investor relations at Portfolio will get you someone immediately as well who can answer any of your questions. And if Brittany and Chantel can't answer your question, they will get me on that line immediately. Um, and you can watch as as Kimberly said, there are there are um, always live events every week. Our you know members love that as well as you know overviews of each of the funds. Everything is there. Kimberly, you asked that earlier. You have member pages. You see every company you're in and their updates. So. It really is um, its quite a different experience. And it's truly a community in 18 countries now.
0: That's amazing. And I think, you know, look, if you are looking for an investment that involves um, an educative experience, so you're going to learn, uh, it involves community because you're going to be part of a group of women um, who are investing in things that we all care about and we're raising consciousness about and improving women's lives. So that's super important. And you want to make some money that can down the road, you know, maybe be sort of a liquidity event for you. This is a really interactive type investment. You know, I spend a lot of my time talking to people about diversification, about their allocations. And, you know, it's a combination of an equity sleeve, uh, fixed income, which will be some sort of bonds or private credit or something like that. And then alternatives, which could be in the real estate, but, you know, uh, El- element, or we even have for, you know, some of our higher net worth clients, we do do private equity and it is in a fund, but these are more traditional, you know, big private equity groups. This to me is very exciting because it allows women of all ages to get involved and to have a seat at the table. And then to hear the you know, I love this idea that the founders are going to be sharing with you their game plan and then you're going to hear the partners evaluate whether or not they want to invest in that. That to me is just like worth its weight in gold. I mean, it may not be the same as going to the Kauffman Institute or, um, you know, the Kauffman Fellows Program, mm-hmm. but but it's pretty close because you're going to be learning a lot of stuff by just, and you can invest $10,000 so the the entry point isn't, you know, you don't have to, like, sell all your belongings to invest. It's just part of your overall allocation, and it's a little bit more interactive. So I I think this is an awesome thing that you've created, and it's mainly because of the fact that you're really educating women. We were talking before the podcast started recording that this is a little bit of the wild, wild west. Um, a lot of people have a lot of ideas. A lot of people are out there promoting investment in companies. And sometimes, um, they don't really give the full story or they're not even talking to the investor about, you know, whether or not they understand that there may not be any liquidity or cash from this for a while. So are they okay with that? Can they live without that? Can they put that 10,000 or 35,000 in and let it sit for four or five years and not expect anything back? You know, are they going to be okay with that? And I think you have done a grand job. Of in, you know, telling people that this is exactly what's going to happen, but what the benefits are. So, you know, really important to get when you're going to invest like this to do it with a responsible group of people and a group of people that are going to really take the curtains back and educate you about it. Even if you're an accredited investor, you still need to have this kind of information.
1: You know, Kimberly, there are angel education programs that you pay $10,000 for. And you don't have an investment at the end of it. You have some knowledge. You know, with us, the education piece is real time, you know, watching and being a part of what's happening. It just comes with being an investor. And so I think that's what's, you know, so powerful with this as well. And it's just an exciting experience for for women and we're changing lives and-
0: You you can't ask for more than that. Knowledge is power, ladies. So check out um, portfolio. Check out Trish Costello and her her team. I mean, I love the website. So I was, you know, lingering there for quite a bit. And then I was like, oh, I've got to do the podcast now. Um, (laughs) I was ready to join the information session and not do the podcast with you today. Um, So I have to say what you're doing is amazing. You're such an accomplished woman. You're inspirational. You're a pioneer. We need to band together to make life better for ourselves. The government isn't going to do it. Men aren't going to do it. We need to do it. And the way we do that is by investing in each other, whether it's through mentorship or through actual dollar investments. So Trish, thank you so much for joining me today. I think this is one for the record books. I hope people listen to the full podcast and and really take away some amazing information and start investing. Thank you for everything you do Kimberly for Women. My pleasure. We're we're going to we're going to change we're going to change the course of history yet. So, <laughs> yes. I think we're both generationally in the same realm and I think we were part of that wave of feminism back in the day and I don't want people to forget. I think sometimes we're going backwards. We're not talking about things as much as we should. So, I love what you're doing. I really do. This was awesome. So, thanks Trish and thank you everyone for listening and until next time. Thank you for listening today to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And I would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at The Fiscal Feminist or check out the website FiscalFeminist.com.